Have you wondered what it would be like to be head of a tech company and be female? Well, you're going to get the inside scoop today from Andrea Krupa. Plus, you're going to get some other tips that you can bring in to your family and to your relationships in order to be successful. Listen up. You're listening to the Dynamic Women podcast. Each week, you'll be inspired by our global community of women. They'll share with you tools and stories to help you be dynamic in every area of life. He's your host, award-winning coach, and the CEO and founder of Dynamic Women, Diane Ralston. Hello, my lovely dynamic women, and welcome to the Dynamic Women podcast. I am Diane Ralston, your host, and we have here today... Andrea Krupa. Hello, Andrea. Hello, Diane. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. We get to jump into the topic of the importance of female leadership in technology. And I'm quite excited about this because of potentially the kind of uncovering that you're going to give us today into what it's really like to be in a male-dominated industry, what it's really like to be in tech, and to come in at a high position, but at a young age. So let me just share with the listeners a little bit more um, about where we're going to go. So the visibility of women in leadership positions, particularly in male-dominated industries, is fundamental in allowing young girls to envision a future in those worlds. Andrea Krupa's father founded a geospatial data processing company when she was eight. Throughout the history of the business, there have always been women in key roles with power, authority, and influence. Andrea's examples included women and mothers in STEM and leadership. She knew this was not the norm, but only actively experienced a difference when she was 29 and entered the family business and became exposed to the larger resource tech world. As a female leader in tech, her goal is to be visible and shift representation within the industry so that it reflects society. Awesome. Love where we're going. But the first question, Andrea, I have to ask (laughs) is like, what is this geospatial data processing and what do you guys actually do? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Most people uh, aren't familiar with those terms, so it's not a surprising one. So Geospatial data is really, in what we do, is really we take uh, data that's coming off of satellites. So satellites, when they're going around in their orbits, they're taking, the ones we use are taking photos, they're taking images, and those photos are coming in this really raw form. And so we take those photos and we create our own algorithms and processing softwares and combinations of physics and math to manipulate what's coming out of the satellites and then create products with it. So our main product is so like 3D modeling. So my husband likes to call it Google Earth on steroids. That's kind of what we do. So you take kind of the images and you create an actual thing out of it. Yes, we wow. take the images and we... Um, they're in stereo, so they're the same spot from two angles, and we process them and then create an actual model of, of the earth from it. Wow. So mm-hmm. you so peop, so companies hire you to do specific models or life 
images? Yeah. So generally, most of our clients are in the resource world. Um, so mining and energy. And in all areas of resource development, people need to know what's actually happening on the ground. So when they're in exploration phases, phases of product, uh, projects, they need to know where to drill or where to build roads or oh, okay. what's going on. And then when they're actually operational, they need to know where are things moving? Are they constructing things mm -hmm. to how they're designed um, in the engineering designs? And we can, with our, our uh, surveys, we can provide them data to, to be able to make some of those assessments. Okay, cool. So now me and all the listeners, we understand more <laughs> about what you do, which, is, which, you know, is not really as important to understanding you as a female in this world. But mm -hmm. I think it's important for our brains to just get like, what are these other roles that are out there? And it's quite interesting to hear that, that you're doing this. And mm -hmm. so what, what, was it about like seeing and how did seeing uh, women in influential roles affect your decision to enter this industry? Because a lot of daughters of business owners say, nah, I don't want to enter the family business, but you did. Yes. I think one of the things with my family business, and, and you mentioned it in the intro, is that throughout the history of the company, there have always been women in key roles. Um, you know, the company's first vice president was a female geologist. Uh, the company's wow. spectral geologist is a female geologist. Um, and that was really just, I don't think it was coincidence. I think these were very highly qualified women that my, my father brought on. And they really mentored me growing up. Um, they showed me that, you know, you can be in these roles and have families and yeah. be feminine and do all of these things. And so when I um, decided to come into the company, I don't think being a woman played into the decision. I think it was, this is interesting work that I enjoy. And that was the decision. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and really, that's what people should be doing. Go yeah. after a career you're interested in. <laughs> yes. That, that helps a lot if you're going to spend so many years of your life doing that role. That, that makes total sense. And actually, I have to give some kudos then to your dad or to the hiring team who look at the individual as a potential employee rather than as a female in this role or as a male in this role. Mm -hmm. The only other time I've really heard that gender did not, did not, um, did not really play a factor into it is actually when I was speaking to um, a Navy, do you, what do you, do you call them? Not a captain of submarines, a pilot. Anyway. I'm not sure. <laughs> she, was the, she was the first one. And she and I said to her, how did you feel as a female in a male dominated industry? Mm -hmm. And she said, actually, this is the one time in one job where I've never felt that gender played a part because you're like the only thing that could possibly be against you getting a promotion is yourself. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's impressive. So it sounds like you're in a really great company to be in. Uh, that's not, that's not always the case. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I actually had an interesting piece of feedback from one of my uh, fe female staff uh, recently 
I was asking everybody in the company, what do you like about our culture? And she mentioned, I like the fact that we're diverse and we're a gender balanced company. When people ask me, oh, you're in tech, there must be a lot of men. She's like, I can say, no, actually, we're pretty much even. Um, And I had never put thought to that. I had never looked at our employee list and and said, hey, are we even? What's happening here? And maybe I should have, but... but I think it just turned out from hiring on merit and hiring on skill, yes. that's, that's just how it shakes out in the end. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so maybe it wasn't something that had to be put in the policies and procedures because it was already happening. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, what experiences would you say prepared you for this role? Um, yeah, I have a bit of an interesting background. I uh, don't, so I studied engineering, uh, but then I left engineering and um, got a degree in recreational therapy and a master's in psychology and then became a mountain guide. So it was a little bit of a eclectic beginning to my career. And uh, I think all of those experiences played a role. Um, yeah. I think being a mountain guide or be, I was a actually a hiking guide with the Association of Canadian Mountain Guides and did uh, multi-week expeditions for Outward Bound Canada. Oh, wow. And I, I think that that was also a very male-dominated industry. Mm. And I was given a lot of leadership very early on in my career with Outward Bound. Um, I was made a lead instructor in my second season. It was, so I was given a lot of experiences and a lot of time to develop as a leader in a male dominated industry, guiding people often twice my age. And I think that really set me up to have confidence in my abilities and also have confidence in my ability to correct my own mistakes when I make them, because I do. It sounds like you take responsibility for them. I, I do try. Not, not, not everybody does that. <laughs> the, play, the blame game comes in. I do. I do try to do that. I do when I can. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like you have, then you can thrive in leadership roles, not just on the, the mental side of things with your engineering background and then the work you're doing currently, but in the physical world, you also, so being able to transfer those skills over is important. And I want the listeners to really hear this right now is that you are every experience you've ever had, your every career you've ever had, and you get to pull from that, the learnings and the skills of who you were being as well, and apply that to future roles, even if you make a complete pivot. So this could be seen as a complete pivot to go from <laughs> a mountain guide to geospatial data. Um, it, it can seem like that. <laughs> it can seem like there, is a, there were a couple steps in between well, that I yes. glossed over. Your degree. Yes. So there's my degree. I also... Um, started a company um, after my degree called Hemisphere Adventure. And so I did leadership and communication training in the outdoors. So in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would take teams or leaders, groups of people into uh, perceived risk situations. So rock climbing or or, um, expeditions, something like that. 
and help them develop their communication and leadership skills. So when I came into the company, um, what was more my role when I came into the company was much more around leadership development, team building, team dynamics. And then I sort of grew into the role that I'm in now over the years. Mm, Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. How about your psychology background? How did your academic foundation and that prepare you for the challenges now and working in a male dominated environment? I think that that prepared me in, in a few ways. I think one of the ways, um, at least my psychology background from all the way from my education was formulated was it was very much around understanding your own biases and perceptions and uh, assumptions to Mm. then be able to make sure that you're not transferring those on to other people. So in the psychology world, it's making sure you're not being able to transfer them onto your clients. And one of the flip sides of that is you also get the ability or develop the ability to be able to recognize when people might be transferring onto you things that aren't really yours. So with someone, if I'm in a situation and someone is treating me in a certain way and I'm reacting to it, I kind of have the ability to look a little bit from the, you know, 10,000 foot and say, oh, wait, this isn't me. This is, this is this person's biases. This is this person's beliefs and perceptions. And maybe it's around my age or maybe it's around my gender, whatever it might be mm. and separate myself emotionally as much as I can. I'm obviously human and not a robot, but <laughs> separate myself emotionally from that and, and find alternative solutions to maybe the way I approach the conversation, maybe deciding, hey, you know, That thing is not for me in this work or not for my business or whatever that might be. And so I do think that that self-awareness has really helped. I also think it's helped me learn how to navigate some potentially difficult or undermining situations without taking it on. Mm, Yeah. And now this makes me want to ask the question and maybe people listening are feeling the same thing. It's like, Okay, I know I don't have a psychology degree, but how do we do that? How do we Mm. not? Because this is where we can get maybe into some real tangible either questions we can ask ourselves, statements we can follow, steps we can have. Like, how do we not transfer onto others? And how do we know when others are transferring to us? What can we do? I think the... I know I'm putting you on the spot here. No, and that's okay. (laughs) I think that's a very fair um, and legitimate question. I think a big part of it is, or a big part of what I do is recognize as much as I can my reactions to what's going on. So a lot of it is about, you know, if I'm in a meeting with someone and I'm starting to feel tense or defensive Mm. or uncomfortable, it's being able to then take a step back a little bit and say, okay, what is happening? <laughs> like, why am I feeling these things? Why am I having these kinds of responses? And, 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 and seeing like, is it, is it, you know, 
is it something someone's saying? Is it a tone of voice? Like it's a little bit about slowing down, slowing down the process, slowing down the reactions and and trying to to pull them apart a a little bit. And it's hard when you're in a boardroom and you're having these reactions and you're saying, okay, what do I do? And so honestly, the biggest thing I do is if I start noticing I'm feeling uncomfortable, it's almost like it's a little switch goes off. Hey, something's going on. Take Mm -hmm. a deep breath. You know, maybe say something in my mind, like, okay, calm down, Andrea. Like, what's happening here? I talk myself through it and then start to think, okay, what, you know, what is happening and and how can I approach it? Or maybe I need to just exit the situation somehow. And so how do I exit the situation? Yeah. So it's, for me, and everybody is, is different. For me, it's a lot about knowing what, what it feels like in my body and having that sort of trigger me to say, okay, these are the things and these are the steps that I need to take um, in order to manage this right now and not say or do something that I'm going to have to clean up in the next board meeting <laughs> or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, because, that, you know, I think that's an important professional skill, but it's also, it's just about slowing down and then being able to have, if there is a follow-up conversation I need to have, be able to have those from a place where I'm, have thought it through and I'm calm about it and not reactive. Yeah. As much as I can. Yeah. And, and I'm hearing too, I'm not sure if everyone listening is catching this, but I'm hearing too that this can be used as a mom to chill out and not take the other person's emotions and react and talk yourself through it. And same Mm -hmm. with your partner. It could be that it could be with like the mom on the playground or there's in so many situations where this really can be brought into play and trusting the intuition on it and taking that time before you react because mm-hmm. if we react too quickly, it can harm the relationship, as you said. We can, yeah, yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, and and I do use this with my children and my spouse. And I also I should mention that that this is a family business. So, <laughs> so sometimes the executive room is full of family members that I then mm-hmm. also you know go to Sunday dinner with. need to need to make sure that all of the you know as much as I can all of the dynamics are being managed yeah and so is your father still in the business he is he's still the CEO so he is the CEO of the business he's yeah he's still kind of a intellectual powerhouse so so and who else who else in the family is involved so at this point it's really my father my mother um, my cousin's wife and myself. Wow. Mm-hmm. So cool. I'm sure I could pick your brain on so many things regarding family, business, relationships, and coordinating all that. But let's let's keep on track here with the, you know, being a woman um, mm-hmm. in this industry. When did you realize it wasn't the norm for women to be in STEM and leadership roles? Yeah. So I grew up in a bit of a bubble when it comes to that. I, I did. I, yeah. I have no problem admitting that. I, um, you know, I, I did know as a kid that 
you know, I had one friend whose mom was an engineer and that was the only outside of the business. That was the Mm -hmm. only engineer science technology person that was a female that I knew of, but it didn't really occur to me that, Hey, most of my friends, moms aren't engineers or physicists. Um, It didn't really occur to me because I saw it so much in the company. Yeah. And it went, and then I went to engineering and it just happened that my year at University of Calgary was 45% women. So I went into a year of engineering that was almost 50, 50. So there was definitely some disciplines of engineering that had more women than others. And that was, you know, there was, there were more women in civil engineering than electrical engineering in my year. It could be different now. I'm not sure, but it was, it was still not weird it was still not Mm a it was almost equal and then when I actually entered Photosat when I entered the company and we're going to trade shows and conventions and having client meetings and joining different technology associations that I realized hey more often than not I'm the only woman in this room and I'm Mm -hmm. definitely the only most of the time, not always young woman in this room. And that's when I, so I, I, I was 29. I think I knew it cognitively, but it didn't really sink in until, yeah. you know, we're having conversations and I'm like, oh, I'm the only one who's a female. That is interesting. And not that it, you know, science and math is not gendered at yeah. all. So when you're talking about the technical aspects, it doesn't matter. But when you're chit-chatting or doing small talk, all of a sudden it, it becomes a little bit more obvious that that there's some differences. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's funny when I get into the the speaker world and sometimes in the high level business masterminds and such, it's so often that it's 90% men or if not all men. And I was invited to partake in a very high level mastermind where they go away for a week at a time, four times a year, and they And then they bring their wives. Like this was part of the sales thing. And we all bring our wives. And I was like, well, I don't have a wife. So Mm -hmm. that look like, and, and I said, well, I have, you know, I have the kids and I'm the primary, you know, to the school, back from school and everything. And my husband doesn't have the flexibility. I have no family around. And Mm -hmm. so it just made me like, made me laugh. I was like, well, what does everybody else do with their kids? Like most of the guys have kids and they're like, oh, my wife takes care of them. Mm -hmm. And so she doesn't come. And I'm like, well, and I go away to things and my husband, you know, and we manage and such, but I thought it was quite interesting. And even all the, um, all the kind of extracurricular activities that were happening outside of the mastermind time was things like, you know, watching an NBA game <laughs> or going fishing. And I'm like, what are the wives doing? They're like, oh, they go shopping and they, they go. And I was like, I want to do what the women are doing. So it's just, it's very interesting. And I'm I'm imagining Mm -hmm. that some of that kind of plays out when you go to your. Yes. I, I, I actually belong, I belong to a few executive groups, but I belong to an executive group and we have a retreat every year. And one of the retreats, one of the spouses activities was flower arranging. And my, my husband was like, I'm not, I'm not sure this is geared towards me. Yes, exactly. I know. So we, yeah, we gave some feedback and, and they, they had, and I mean, there's some men that love flower arranging and that, and that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with that. It was just a very interesting scenario to me. 
Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think part of, part of the, um, the kind of joy for your life is that you had all these role mo- models, but what, what advice would you give to women who are entering tech and young girls who think like, that's really cool. Like being an engineer sounds really interesting or geospatial um, data <laughs> is like, that's so cool. I want to be part of that. What advice would you give them? Because they're not seeing as many role models as you did. Yeah. And I, I think about that a lot. And I think that's part of what drives me to do interviews like this and, and speak about it. And there are some really great groups of, of women who are trying to help that. So if I would recommend for, you know, young people who are interested and young women who are interested, you know, if you're in school and you're interested, there's, there are specific groups for, you know, uh, girls coding groups and and girls mm. robotics groups and and camps and and it's great to do things co-ed but sometimes it's really nice to be able to do these groups and know that you're not going to be the only girl in the room and so looking for those specific activities that are geared towards girls can help because it also does help to have a friend to to do these things yes. with and so yes. very coincidentally my best friend in high school founded a technology company in London so it's a yeah it's a very she's done incredibly well very successful she's the co-founder and COO and we get you know we talk about what it's like to run a technology company and what it's like to run a software as a service company and we get to connect Mm. on those things but we've been friends since we were in grade nine or grade ten and so we've gone through this together. So I do think that finding those programs mm. tailored to, to girls, if you're in those kind of age ranges, and, and making some connections with other girls is helpful. Because we do talk about things like, you know, when we've had a meeting where we felt a little dismissed or talked down to, I can call her and, and get her perspective. And then for, for women who are a little older, so maybe out of the school age, you know, there's um, a group called Women in Mining. There's a Vancouver-based group for women in technology, and they have mentorship programs and outreach programs to, to girls and women. Because I do think if you don't have those role models, there are ways to find them and to connect, because that is really important. And I, I wish it wasn't up to the younger women to find them, um, and I think one day it won't be one day it will just be very visible and very obvious and the role yeah. models will be everywhere. But right now it's a little bit of, of seeking it out and finding that yeah. network. Yeah. And so dynamic woman, you need to also be thinking for yourselves. You're not a girl, not a young mm-hmm. girl. Maybe, maybe you are, but be thinking about, yeah. am I surrounded by people who I would really feel are my peers and who Mm -hmm. I feel that I can, whether they're male or female, that I feel I can open up to and talk through some of my challenges in my career and to also have role models and to continue to have role models. Mm -hmm. Um, even as you build in your success to have other people ahead of you, and maybe it gets to the point where you're like, I can't find anyone in my industry, who is doing what I'm doing or ahead of me, you can at least find someone in another industry who would have similar 
um, challenges or have gotten through those similar challenges. So I think that's what I'm taking from Andrea from this piece in particular is that mm-hmm. need to, to continue to have that. Um, yes. And, and I agree. And I, and I do think that for, you know, for, for people who aren't young women anymore, we are at a point in time where if in the technology world, there, there are women who are more advanced in their careers who have really made a big impact, especially where we where you know, in Vancouver, where we live. I mean, the, one of the old heads of, and she's not old, well, but she's a previous head <laughs> of, of the BC Technology Association is a very successful female entrepreneur in technology. Mm. And so regardless of the age group, and regardless of the industry, I do believe now there are some very strong women in all industries uh, that we do get to see now exactly. and are becoming more visible. Yeah. And that's nice. And if, if you're anyone wondering out there, how do, well, how do I get talking to these people? Um, a couple bits of advice to give are, is if you already have a podcast or you have a magazine or you have some way that you can interview them, that's a really great way. I wanted to to interview you, Andrea, not because I want you to be my role model, but because I feel like what you have to share um, is important for the listeners to hear, even if they don't want to get into tech. And other things that you can do are find out what that person's really, what they value. So maybe it's a certain charity. Maybe they have a new book coming out. Um, If you can reach out to them and give them kudos for what that is and offer to support in what they're doing. So share some of their stuff online, just get on their radar so that when you do reach out, they have some like a good feeling about you seeing your name on their blog, on their blog, or seeing you sharing their business, their company's things or congratulating them on an award or, and then sometimes you have to pay to play. You might have to pay for that gala ticket to go and hear that person speak to be able to have a minute with them. Um, so just be, be creative in that way and know that LinkedIn is also your friend for all the professionals out there. So you've mentioned family. Yes. How do you manage the demands of work and family? So, yeah, that's also a good question. <laughs> um, I dislike it when people uh, use the word balance. I don't don't think it's balance. I think it's integration. How do you fit all of the conflicting, not conflicting, Mm -hmm. but all of the competing priorities in and how do you integrate them? And so, you know, for me, I think a big part of it has been learning to let go of the guilt Mm -hmm. um, on both ends, right? The, The guilt about not being the, the company leader that, can work 20 hour days. I mean, I, I can, if there's a crisis, but I, that's not my, that's not my go-to day schedule and not being the parent who is going to be at every pickup and drop off um, and being able to outsource. I do outsource a lot. (laughs) So (laughs) using, you know, I'm fortunate that I am in a position where I can have people help me. I can have people help with cleaning and with before and after school care and preparing lunches and and those things that I'm not able to integrate into my schedule. Yes. And so when I first started doing that, 
I felt bad about it. I felt like I should be able to do it all. I should be able to find the time or somehow be faster at it all. And, um, and it was causing me a lot of stress. Um, and I wasn't, you know, the mornings were incredibly stressful. I was finding the mornings I was leaving the house grumpy, <laughs> irritated, and, you know, ushering my daughter to daycare and having, you know, short conversations. And, and when I, when I got help, when I, when I ended up bringing someone in to help me with those pieces, the interactions I have now are, are much calmer. They're, you know, I think they're much more valuable for me and for what I'm capable of. And uh, yeah, and then deciding that, you know, maybe sometimes turn off the mom groups. <laughs> you feel like you're missing out or you're, you're yeah. missing things that you're supposed to be doing. So. Yeah, I actually had to leave a, a mom's group that I was part of because they were all about organic and no batteries and toys and homemade everything. And I just, not that they judged me, but I felt less than um, mm -hmm. that I wasn't uh, doing the elimination communication. I was using diapers. And uh, so every time we met, I was the only one with diapers on my kid. Um, so it was all these things. And I thought, you know what, this is just not healthy for me. Um, mm -hmm. I need to be around my peers who are parenting a similar way to me or, or who have a business as well. And so who understand, mm -hmm. so, yeah, I get that. But I like how you said integration. So integrating things yeah. and just like you would a business, if you're the CEO of your family, you need to delegate some of the things, some of the items and which can you delegate and which ones will you not delegate? So you're not going to mm -hmm. delegate the reading of the story. You're not going to delegate the cuddles, yeah. but those certain things that are really important for you. And I love that I'm hearing is that it increased the quality of the time and the quality of your interactions. Yes, it did. And I, and I agree. There's yeah. certain things that I don't delegate. You know, one of my, one of my commitments to myself is to be home for dinner, mm -hmm. right? To be home for dinner. And I'm not a hundred percent, you know, complete on that, but when I'm not home for dinner, it's, it's normally because I've decided, hey, you know what, I need to go for a swim. I'm not, not home for dinner because I'm working. I'm not home for dinner because I need to, to recharge or refresh or get my mental space into a better place so that when I am home, you know, at 7.30 after swimming, I can do stories and I can do cuddles and I can be there and not be sidetracked or, or distracted or running through challenges or things that are happening in the business in my mind but it is something that I you know that I do prioritize if I'm if I'm yeah. going to miss dinner it's not going to be for work unless I'm traveling for work which I'm not doing yes. right now yes so. exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> none of us are no no <laughs> yeah that's great that's great to hear that you actually prioritize time for yourself and that you're using self-awareness to really check in with what you're needing at any given moment uh, I don't think we do that enough because we don't have, we don't have downtime in that time where we're just quiet. And so, mm -hmm. you know, there's a podcast on when we're driving to and from work and then we've got a couple minutes between meetings. And so we're on our phone checking email and there's no time, no downtime to really listen to our bodies and our minds mm -hmm. and our mental health and what we need. So I'm, that's great to hear that you're doing that. So final question here. Okay. 
We've talked about your past. We've talked about where you currently are. What about your future? Mm. What are your goals for the future? So my goals for the future, I'm, I'm planning on, and, and it's sort of part of the, the company plan is for me to be taking over as CEO in the next probably two to three years. Mm. Uh, so working towards becoming, so right now I'm general manager and working towards becoming CEO of the business. Yep. So that's kind of in the next three to five years that's a big part of my of my personal development focus, and then um, and then beyond that, you know, I really want to grow this business. You know, it's a great business. We were founded in '93. We're very well established, and now with you know machine learning and AI, and what my developers they actually don't like those two terms. They use convolutional neural networks, but of course. It's machine learning. <laughs> so, Whatever so that means. Yeah, I don't I don't even know. Um, but there, you know, there's some really cool, interesting things that are out there in technology and yeah. in the, you know, the science and the the physics of of what can be done is uh is sort of it feels limitless to me. So, you know, really wanting to to bring the company into those new developments and, and we're already doing it, but, but grow and push and thrive more in those areas. And so in terms of the, the business, that's, you know, it's, it's all about research and development and innovation and, um, and being the CEO who, who's helping choose that path that we take. And, uh, and then, you know, in the family um, in the family realm, just see my kids grow up, yeah. <laughs> you know, be there at the, you know, the dance recitals and swimming lessons as, as much as I can be and, and get to be a part of that and, you know, work towards, you know, just sort of seeing as much of it and being part of as much of it as, as awesome. I can and hopefully yeah. grow some, some pretty great human beings. Oh, so. that's so lovely. And is there something around maybe 40 under 40 or something? Like that? <laughs> so I have, I, 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 yes, I have this very um, strange, it's not strange, I guess, but I do kind of have this, this like internal mini goal that, that I would love to be uh in the 40 under 40. And actually just last week, one of my friends got honored, uh, Christian Ham got honored to be part of uh, 40 under 40. And so I'm super excited for him. Hey, so, so if anyone yeah. listening, if you have a connection, <laughs> if you can nominate Andrea, do it. And if you're wondering how to connect with her in order to be able to do that, um, <laughs> I will include in the show notes, uh, both her personal and business LinkedIn profile. Uh, as well as the website for Photoset so that people can check out more of what you do and, and learn more about it. Um, and so I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, to be able to, to share uh, what you do, how you got there, and really your vision for the future for not only yourself and your business, but for girls and women in this industry. Any, any final final words here before we 
tie a bow on it. Well, I thank you. I pre I appreciate that. It's been a it's been a pleasure uh, to be here. And I and I think just kind of in conclusion, it is a really exciting time to be a woman in in STEM or in technology in general. Uh, we have so many great role models now, and we're in a position, at least in the Western world, um, uh, we're in a position where you know those glass ceilings are shattering all over the place yeah. and so you know it's just exciting so, yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for the girls coming into it as well mm-hmm. so thank you very much again thank you to all the listeners you know who you are and you are the reason why I get to keep doing this and why I look for amazing speakers like Andrea Krupa to share a little bit into their world and their struggles that they've had and their successes and to bring you tips like how to own your own feelings and not let other people (laughs) push them onto you and using your intuition to do that. So please make sure you subscribe, share this episode with someone out there who you know is interested in STEM or needs to hear about a a powerful and successful uh, woman in the tech industries. So make sure that you also write a review if you felt that this was helpful because other people read the reviews and it helps them to know if they should listen to the episode or not. So until next time, stay dynamic. Thank you, Dynamic Women, for joining us today. Please hop on over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a review. Who do you know who needs to hear our message? We'd love it if you'd share our channel with your friends and family. If you're ready to be more dynamic, have more balance and more success, head over to www.dynamicwomenclub.com forward slash free gift for your key to success book. Stay dynamic.